we're getting ready to, uh, to bring on the head coach of the Duke women's team. He is uh, a champion once again. And uh, you know what? I, I think the most accomplished coach in women's golf history, yeah, really. There you go. You so, uh, Dan Brooks joins us. Dan, welcome into the golf shop. How you doing, guys? Great, man. Dan. Not as good as you guys are doing up at Duke. Uh, I tell you what, you know, looking at the matches, uh, you know, you got to survive uh, stroke play to get to match play. And I'm telling you, you know, they talk about we talk about in Ryder Cups all the time that uh, a lot of times golf courses have to reroute their setup to make sure that you know because a lot of times 16 17 and 18 are the, the holes that they want everybody to play and uh you guys got a chance to play 16 17 and 18 a lot in match play didn't you <laughs> <laughs> too much probably right dan yeah yeah great point uh i mean i almost died on 16 17 and 18 <laughs> so um as did they i mean it was so challenging and they the thing is, they're doing all the work, and they, I'm, my hat is off to all the players, uh, particularly our players, because those matches went so long. Yeah, I mean, just in the final, I mean, of the five matches, uh, one of them was a 5-3 and three win on your team, but the other ones uh, all went to 18, and three of the other four went uh, 19 or 20 holes. Uh, do you have yep. any fingernails left? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, hardly and you know that's just the last match all three matches were tough um you know virginia Allen a cart went to 24 holes in the one match the, the round before i mean it was just uh it was a lot of a lot of uh, nail biting you're right well for me this says a lot about where women's collegiate golf has has come from and where they are now the fact that you that you have this kind of competition at this level, that there are so many teams. I mean, like you just said, I mean, 24 holes. We're talking 19, 20 holes, one up. All these tight matches between all of these teams that made it into the match play and the competition getting to match play. I mean, women's college golf has really elevated, I'm going to say, just even more in the last five years. Yeah, and uh, of course, I've been doing this a long, long time. It's been one of the funnest parts of what I do is to see it grow and change. And, uh, you know, it's it's now, you know, there's a pretty good side handful of teams that could legitimately win the national championship now. Part of that is because they changed to match play five years ago. Mm-hmm. But it's also very much because the depth has just increased incredibly. Uh, Dan, you've been there 34 years. I'm just going to throw out some numbers for the for the listeners. Six, six NCAA championships, 20 ACC championships. Uh, that's two out of every three years you're winning an ACC championship, which is pretty cool. Uh, 133 team victories. Does anybody have the tenure in D1 women's golf that you do, Dan? Well, first I need to correct you. It's seven oh. national championships. Oh, my bad. You must, you must be reading something that came before this match. Yeah, I just pulled up your bio, and it's not on there. So, my bad. My bad. Uh, congratulations on number seven. <laughs> but, uh, anyway, what was the question? <laughs> well, <laughs> does anybody else in, in women's D1 golf have the tenure at the same school that you do at Duke? Uh. Well, my buddy Mick Potter has been doing this just a little bit longer than I have. He's the coach down in Alabama, but he hasn't been at Alabama that whole time. Okay. He was he was doing great things at Furman before he got to Alabama. Didn't um, he, had, didn't he have Beth Daniel and those girls back then? 
Uh, he was not the coach then, but yeah, that's who had those girls. Yeah. Uh, Betsy King and Beth Daniel yeah. were Furman. Yeah. And, you know, and you guys, like I said, I mean, I'm looking at the quarterfinals matches, like you said. I mean, this was every single matchup in the quarterfinals, it was a 3 2 win for somebody. Uh, then you get into yeah. the semifinals, and, and you guys, uh, you guys go up against uh, Arizona and uh, Wake Forest. Wake Forest. I mean, they they went four zero and one against Auburn, and that was the easiest run that anybody yeah. had getting into this thing. Um, how, how was your team feeling going in against Wake Forest, knowing that they had just kind of, in a sense, kind of stomped the mud hole in Auburn, and uh, yeah. and, and and the confidence, and then that, Auburn beat Texas. Yeah, I mean, so yeah. you know, Auburn was that good. So you're sitting there going, man, this road's not going to be easy. I'm a, how, how do you, how do you, how does the team recover from stroke play to get to match play? And then, you know, what do you have to do in between these matches to obviously bring them maybe down a little bit and then build them back up or get them to recover? Well, and then we had to cool down and warm up over and over because of mm-hmm. the weather delays. Mm-hmm. That's, one thing that, you know, you probably can't see on TV, I don't know, I haven't seen the coverage, but we were on and off the golf course several times. Uh, so you gotta, you got to get back up again after your body cools down and then you got to get back out. There were so many opportunities for the, for the team, for the Dukies to hang their head and say, you know, I'm, I only got three, four holes left and I'm two down. It's so easy to give up in a situation like that. And giving up is a subtle thing. You don't just flat quit. You just don't still have exactly the same passion you started the match with. And if you lose any of that passion, you're going to lose the match. Mm-hmm. There's no question. So I don't know how you do it. You, you, you recruit great people like that. They, they're the ones that do it. They've got the heart. And they're tough. You know, mentally and physically, they were so tough. Uh, to never, to never give up, give you know, to never lose their passion all the way to the very end. Dan, you know everybody knows that golf is now a, a total world game. You've had girls from all over the world uh, play at Duke. Tell tell us about yeah. that recruiting process. How do you go about getting these? I mean, does 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 uh, does somebody fly over there, or, or do you catch them in, in you know as they're coming up in high school in, in America? How does that work when you get all these girls from all over the world? Uh, kind of all over the map on that. Uh, I've been over there a few times. Yeah. My assistants have been over there a few times. Um, but a lot of the foreigners that I've had on my team either came over to the IMG Academy. Okay. Or they came and played in our tournaments. Like Virginia Ellen Carter didn't go to school over here, but she came over and played in the, in the Annika Junior, which is where I watched her play, uh, you know, right down in Florida. So, they come over and play in our tournaments, but it, there's a lot of coaches that just go 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 overseas. We've done it some, but not a lot. And now, I mean, when you start talking about what you had to go through, I mean, uh, three rounds of stroke play, uh, the three rounds of match play, uh, all the starting, all the stopping. I, I mean, uh, it almost seems like your your uh, your ladies need uh, like a month off after all that. <laughs> but I'm sure they've got a whole bunch of things that they're going to be playing and coming up. Yeah, they turn around and go again. Uh, you know, Gina, <laughs> Gina Kim, who's right here from, you know, grew up in Chapel Hill, uh, just been a great freshman. She's the one to hit that bunker shot on 18. Uh, 
right by the pin from the fairway. Anyway, she says, Coach, I'm so worn out. I'm going to take two days off. <laughs> yeah. Which, I wish that's, I had energy that's a like break that. For Gina. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's a break for her. She's playing in the U.S. Open. She qualified for the Open, and awesome. that's coming up real soon. So uh, they'll take breaks. Anna said she's going to take three or four breaks. She's playing in the Palmer Cup. So there's. Uh, they are right back at it. The summer, the summer game, and we play it in the spring and fall. So they just got to keep going. And in terms of uh, the players coming back and the and the rest of the roster, I mean, how are things going to be shaping up for next year? Really good. Uh, we've got Megan Furtney and Erica Shepard coming in, two really good players. They actually teamed up. They're good friends. They're from the Midwest. So, you know, we either go all the way over to Thailand or we pull them out of the Midwest. So there's nothing else. Really? So that's how we do it. Wow. Uh, yeah, it's it's cool. So they're uh, – they just played in the four ball together and won it as a as a two person team. Right. So, and that's become really an exciting event on the women's side. A lot of great players are playing in that. They love the feeling of teaming up with somebody. So, the older I get, the more really, I like really team good. golf. <laughs> <laughs> What's that? I said the older I get, the more I like team golf. That individual tournament stuff for me is is gone now, Dan. Yeah, I'm with you, Matty. I, I always tell people now I'm a 15-hole player because <laughs> yeah. those other four holes, you really don't know what you're going to get. So it's always nice to have a partner to lean on and just hope that that yeah. partner doesn't screw up those four can holes. You, can you stand up for those four holes for me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. So you know, you know, as as you uh, as you start uh, looking at recruiting and all of that, I mean, it, is it always hard to know that uh, you know in this game it's it's obviously unique because um, you can recruit players, they can decide to turn professional, they can kind of turn professional anytime. We've seen it on some of the other schools. Heck, we've talked to some of them. Uh, where you know you, you you play the fall season and they're like you know what I think I'm just going to go ahead and turn professional. Have you had have you had to deal with that at all? And how do you deal with something like that? Well, first thing is you got to look for all the clues um, in your recruiting. And I really, where I don't really draw a line and say, if you're going to turn pro, I'm not interested, uh, I'm pretty close to that. I mean, if they're shooting dead straight with me and I have a really clear idea of what their plan is, then then I'm probably going to be okay with a really good player who's also a really good student but has plans to you know, turn early. Um, but unless I'm getting a crystal clear image, and quite frankly, I haven't, I haven't had that crystal clear image from anybody. Um, I'm not going to recruit somebody that's going to turn pro. We, they've got to be crystal clear with their plans, and I'm not going to be recruiting somebody that's going to surprise me with some decision. Uh, <clears throat> not going to do it. And we we build great teams because we have people here that bond and. And, uh, yeah, we've had people turn pro, and I love them. You know, Brittany Lang is a wonderful, but yeah. she was clear with me. Uh, not not as clear, but that was back when not everybody was turning pro. So she tried to be as clear as she could with me, but it just kind of swept her up, you know, the whole idea. And uh, she was playing great. She almost won the Open, you know. It was, mm-hmm. it was a really exciting time uh, for her. And so... Yeah, you just got to try to look for the clues and see if it's somebody that really wants an education. I think it's a brilliant idea to get an education. Yeah, and I, and I think uh, you know I'm glad to see that, uh, especially on the ladies' side, that it's been a lot uh, a lot easier 
uh, in terms of keeping an amateur status and getting through, you know, the stages of uh, of Q school and and all of that stuff and allowing allowing these players to get to a certain point and then be able to make a decision if they're going to go forward or not. And that's always nice. I mean, it at least gives the players options that if they don't get to a certain point that they can, you know, just kind of fall back and continue doing what they've been doing. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a hot topic, you know, for all of us coaches. You've, I've seen, I've got a lot of friends that uh, have lost players to the pros unexpectedly and it you know it's just great if you can work out some sort of plan where you don't get your where the rug doesn't get pulled out of your from under your program Mm. well you know and you you really got to look at it too from a perspective of i mean you you can you can finish up now and then you can you know if you want to you can jump into uh you know monday getting into mondays uh, or not monday qualifiers but getting exemptions into symmetra tour events and the way i look at it is if if you're good enough you're gonna you're gonna get into these symmetra tour events and you're gonna you're gonna place high enough and you're gonna get yourself into the top 10 and you're gonna be in the lpga by this time next year so um it's it's gotta be go ahead No, Leona McGuire is, is just what you're talking about. Leona and Anna Bellet's on my team right now. Leona went through, she got herself established on the, uh, the, uh, Symmetra tour and then finished her degree. But she was all set. When she graduated, she could go out and play all the Symmetras that she could get into from that point on. And that's what Anna's going to do. You can, that sets you up pretty well. And uh, it's very relaxing knowing that you have a degree. <laughs> you will make more putts knowing that you have a degree. Especially that's a Duke, what I think especially is, that's a, underestimated. Especially a Duke degree. <laughs> that's a that's a nice yeah, degree, you know, right? I mean, I mean, it's not bad. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, and, and and you know, everybody that listens knows that I'm a big Clemson football guy, and, and you know, it's it's been. It's been blowing my mind lately watching the recruiting and what Dabo Sweeney has done at Clemson football. And you see, I mean, they just signed the number two recruit in the country, a defensive lineman. And he talked more about the the, the paw journey and getting a degree and, and all the things that Clemson are doing for, for you from a, profess, from a non-football perspective. Isn't that great? Understanding that, hey, you know, there's a 100% injury rate in the NFL. I'm going to get hurt. I have a very limited window. I need to set myself up for the future. And you guys have that at Duke with, you know, across the board with academics, obviously, to be able to say, hey, you know, the education, all of the other stuff that comes with being a student at Duke and the golf is just another piece of it. Yeah. And and the money, as much as, as – great as the LPGA has become and you know they're 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 doing quite well they're not doing you know they're not they're not you can't make the kind of money in the middle of the pack that you'd hope you could make you better you better plan on being a star or 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 you better get your degree yeah (laughs) there's no in between (laughs) you know I mean we see it a lot I mean we see a lot of Symmetra Tour players do it for three or four or five years and then uh they they go find jobs and and having something to fall back on is always the key yes exactly uh well you know well Dan man we appreciate you spending some time with us and uh and talking to us and congratulations again on the uh on the victory thanks a lot guys nice chatting with you